Abel is now its first exemplar. He is the first illustration of verse 2. He's one of the people of old who received God's commendation. That is, his approval. Now it's clear, if you just glance at the chapter, that from the choice of examples, the preacher is clearly moving from the beginning of the Old Testament to the end. He's moving in a chronological order. But you might say, but Abel really isn't the first, is he? I mean, don't we have some reason to hope that Adam and Eve were people of saving faith? Well, yes, I think we do. The scriptures aren't crystal clear about this. But there are definite indications which point to them, after their great fall, finding grace with God. For example, Adam renames his wife Eve, life giver, mother of the living, in response to God's promise of an offspring who would conquer their enemy, the serpent. That seems like an act rooted in faith. They both accept God's clothing of animal skins, which required the death of that animal and reminded them very poignantly that sin always leads to death. That seems like it's rooted in faith. Upon producing a child, Eve pronounced that he was a gift given with the help of the Lord. So these responses lead us to hope that these actions were from a heart of saving faith and repentance after the fall. But it is in some doubt, and perhaps it's not as clear as it could be, simply to warn those in prominent places to not be unfaithful. So Abel, not Adam and Eve, is the first to be commended for saving faith in this part of the scriptures. Abel's story assumes the account of Genesis 4, verses 1 to 7. So let me read that to you. Genesis 4, 1 to 7. Now Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Undoubtedly, she thought this might be the seed that would overthrow the serpent. She was sadly mistaken. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well... Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you or to master you. 
The picture is actually of a demon standing outside the door, ready to jump on and devour him. But you must rule over it. Now notice from our text in Hebrews 11.4, these four points. First, Abel possessed saving faith. Abel possessed saving faith. The verse begins, by faith. And this faith is a faith, as we've proven multiple times in previous sermons, and so we won't do it again. It's not just any faith, but it is saving faith. The faith in Hebrews 11 is saving faith. Faith is why the persons of old were commended by God in this public fashion in Scripture. So this is one thing that every person that we're going to read about in the weeks ahead have. Everyone here shares this in common, saving faith. It's the one thing necessary to be right with God, to have his approval, and to receive his praise. And this faith is the basis for the other three things that are listed in this verse. Let me read it to you and, and show you that, because it's, it's in the Greek grammar, but it's not perhaps quite as clear as it could be in our English. By faith, Abel offered to God a more accepted, acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Clearly, that action is rooted in faith, right? Through which, that's a reference back to the faith. Through this faith, he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, there it is again, through his faith, he speaks. He speaks. So he does three things. They're all rooted in faith. They are the products of his faith. Abel's faith was no mere profession. It was his possession. It was implanted within him by the work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration. And so out of that new heart of faith flowed obedience. Indeed, flowed all of life. What does the Proverbs say in chapter 4? It is out of the heart that flow the issues of life. Well, with a new heart, a heart of faith, everything that flows out of there is faithful. Here is a picture of chapter 10, verse 38. A just man living by faith. Faith lives. Faith obeys. Faith works. Faith is active. As one man has said rather famously, it's, only, it, it's true that only the obedient truly believe. Not that your obedience makes your faith. It doesn't. That's backwards. But every person with true faith is obedient. Oh, not perfectly, but sincerely, genuinely, truly, under the blood of Christ, and therefore approved by God. The, only the obedient truly believe. Re remember that although it is faith alone that saves, <laughs> saving faith is never alone. Saving faith is always accompanied by the other graces of God, the saving graces of God. So saving faith is a living faith. There is no such thing, as James pointedly states, there is no such thing as a saving faith that doesn't work. 
You are mistaken. That's just another faith. That's a merely human faith. It's not a saving faith. Faith produces good works. And it even produces a good word from God. And all of that is seen in Abel's life. And that's what these other points are. Right? So first of all, Abel offered right worship. He possessed saving faith, so Abel offered right worship. Now, right worship in Abel's day and, in, and until the time of Christ consisted pretty much just in prayer and sacrifice. The Old Testament repeatedly says that men called upon the name of the Lord. That's public worship through offerings. Now, in the Genesis account, which we read, Cain and Abel both worship God, both present offerings to God, but there is a difference. Notice that our verse says, Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Now, I don't know a better translation, but this can really be misleading. Because normally when we say something is more acceptable than something else, it means the other thing's acceptable, but this is more acceptable. That both are acceptable. But if there's anything that we know from the Genesis account, it's that Cain's offering absolutely was not accepted by God. That's, that was the whole problem. Right? He does, he does accept Abel's. He doesn't accept Cain's. Cain's get, Cain gets angry. He has this confrontation with God, and he's so mad at his brother, he goes out and he kills him. It's the root cause of all this. His offering was not accepted by God. So how are we to explain this? Well, very simply, what the Greek says is, Abel offered a more sacrifice than Cain. A more sacrifice. Well, now, we usually think of more in terms of quantity. You know, Abel came with a cartload of sheep and sacrificed them all. Cain brought, oh, he brought a single vegetable. No, that's not the difference here. That's not why it's more. More can also mean qualitative difference. Not just quantity, quality. So it's better. Does that word better sound familiar to those of you who've been listening to Hebrews? Right? And we know that that better word isn't better in quantity, it's better in quality. It, this is a different word, it's the same idea. Abel is offering a fundamentally acceptable accepted sacrifice. Cain is not. There's a qualitative difference. Abel offered a sacrifice acceptable to God. Cain's sacrifice did not please God. So in what way was Abel's sacrifice qualitatively better than Cain's? Well, in two ways. In manner and matter, that would be one way to think about it. Maybe we could put it this way, in motive and in content. If we were to quote the New Testament, we would say spirit and truth. That was what the difference was. Or if we were to put it all in one word, it would be this single word, faith, which contains 
those other elements we've just talked about. Verse 4 clearly teaches that Abel's offering was presented to God from a heart of faith, and it was accepted because of his faith. Cain, according to Genesis, did not. It says he, quote, did not do well. <laughs> what was he talking about? How he tilled his field? How he, no, he's talking about the only thing that's mentioned there, his offering. He did not do well in this offering. He did not obey God. His manner and his matter were evil. He had no faith. The matter or the substance of their worship offerings was qualitatively different. Cain's was the fruit of the ground, probably a grain offering. It's not described, I think rather significantly it's not described, as the first fruits, but simply as an offering. Abel's was a sheep. Oh, wait a minute. It wasn't just a sheep. It was not just any sheep. <laughs> it was the firstborn of the flock. And he even brought its fat portions, which were the things entirely devoted to God, were not to be shared with anyone else. So we can see a contrast in these two offerings. Both were offerings. Only Abel's was a sacrifice. And this shows that in some way, God's instructions for worship and offerings had already been made known. Perhaps it was given to Adam and Eve when they were clothed with the skins. You know, God, does he just appear and he's got skins in his hand and he hands it to him and says, here, you'll look better in these than fig leaves. Presumably, in the condescending grace <laughs> to kill an animal, he explains what this means. And given there, I would assume, fairly clear understanding that sin brings death, <laughs> right after what they've just gone through, it's not too hard to think that that would have been a happily received explanation. Or perhaps God told Abel what he wanted in a sacrifice directly. As we'll learn later, Abel was a prophet. Now, it doesn't say that in Genesis 4, and it doesn't say that here. It says it somewhere else in the, in the Bible, so it's true. It's true here. He was a prophet. So perhaps God conveyed this information to him. We know God talked to Cain. If he was a prophet, we know God talked to him. Perhaps some of the content of that was, here's the right way to worship me. But however it happened, these men knew what God wanted. Now, some folks, uh, knowing that grain offerings were accepted by God uh, later in the Old Testament, don't see any problem with the matter, the stuff, of Cain's offering. But before the law of Moses, in the scriptural record, men of faith are only recorded, men of faith are only recorded, giving offerings of sacrificial animals. And more importantly, when something is commended because it's done in faith, it necessarily includes the correctness of the obedience given. 
Faith depends on truth. Faith exercised outside of truth isn't pleasing to God. I've beaten you over the head with the scriptural definition of saving faith in previous weeks. It consists of three parts, right? There's knowledge. There's facts. There's truth. There's assent to those facts or truth. And then there's entrusting yourself through it. To it, the, the classic centuries-old definition, and a right one, of saving faith in the Bible. You see, saving faith, this kind of faith, the kind of faith that Abel has, the kind of faith that Christians have, isn't faith just in anyone or anything. Faith isn't self-defined in its object. Faith has to have a right object. If you have sincere faith in Allah, you're not a Christian. You're not right with God. You're not safe. You're not under the blood of Jesus Christ. If you make up a God in your head and you place your faith in that, you're still in danger. You're not safe. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but who you think he is doesn't match the Bible at all. You're not a follower of Christ. You're a follower of yourself. You're a follower of your own vain imagination. You're not a Christian. You're a lover of yourself. So because we know Abel did this in faith, we know he did it in truth. So whatever or however he learned this, he was told the right way to worship God. Somehow he knew it. And he did it because he believed God. When God said, this is what pleases me, he said, all right, then I I will do that. Cain said, no, Cain did not do well. He did not do well. So Abel obeyed. Abel worshipped in faith. That means he worshipped in truth. He worshipped in truth. He must have performed this according to the revealed will of God. We're not saying he had as much light as Abraham or Moses or David or you and me. But if he had saving faith, according to the Bible's definition, he had content. He had something that he actually believed, and then he acted in light of that. Faith exercised in just any and every way is nowhere approved in Scripture. But faith exercised toward God's right object is always approved. We are approved by God if we believe in the true God and his Son that he has sent from heaven, not in anyone or anything else. So Abel's faith had to be more than just the manner as if he was sincere and Cain wasn't. Sincerity is not enough to rightly worship God. It's not. Oh, it's necessary, but it's not sufficient. There's more. You need that and more. Abel's faith involved the matter, the what of worship and sacrifice. And again, we would say this in New Testament terminology taught by our Lord Jesus. This is what worship in spirit and truth means in part. 
It's not enough to come here with zeal or fervor or emotion or sincerity or tears or any kind. Of... Those things aren't bad, obviously. Those things are good. They're fine. But if all of that's done toward a false god, it, it has to be done in truth. It has to be done in the way God has ordained. Not only him as the right person, but in the way that he wants. Again, worship isn't about what you want. You're not the one here being worshipped. Unless you're here doing it that way, in which case you are worshipping yourself. You are the one being worshipped. That's not the right place to be. That's a dangerous place to be. This is supposed to be the worship of God. Not, well, what would make me happy would be That's not only ultimately not satisfying, it's damning because it's idolatry. Mm -hmm. Abel knew what God required in worship. As a man of faith and one who received the word of God as a prophet, he knew the truth about his condition, that he was by nature separated from God by his sin. That God's promise of a seed or future son who would conquer sin was true and that sin deserved death. Oh, if you learned anything from his parents, surely it had to be this, sin deserved death. Sin always brings misery. And so when God made clear what he wanted in the worship offering, Abel gave it and Cain didn't and it's that simple. Cain's offering the fruit of the ground, it wasn't evil in itself. But just like the fig leaves weren't an adequate covering for Adam and Eve's shame, only the skin of an animal could truly cover them. So here, it, it didn't picture corn, grain, whatever, doesn't picture that sin deserved death and only a death could make men's approach to God acceptable. So both Abel's manner and matter of sacrifice properly glorified God. And as we see next, brought blessing to him. God rightly worshiped always brings blessing to the worshiper. That's the way it works. So we come to the third point. Abel received God's approval. Abel received God's approval through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him. Abel is approved or commended. He has a good public report in Scripture. There was a New Testament man that Paul didn't name, but he said, his praise is in all the churches. Well, Abel's praise is in all the churches. We learned in verse 2 that saving faith is a commending grace. It leads to God praising believers. That's what a commendation is. God's praise of us. And the same word is used twice here about Abel. Now note just two things about this approval. First, God recognizes him as righteous. God recognizes him as righteous. Faith placed in the proper object, the, the coming seed, we would say, because we know his name, Jesus the Christ. Faith placed in the proper object leads to the forgiveness of sin. It leads to a righteous record. 
it leads to an obedient life. Several other places in the New Testament also proclaim this, specifically about Abel. Jesus, in Matthew 23, 35, identifies him as righteous Abel. Not just Abel, righteous Abel. And this was not merely a pronouncement, but was clearly reflected in Abel's life. Remember, the just, the righteous, will what? Live by faith. They will actually practice their faith. So in 1 John 3.12, it says, We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. (laughs) So God approves of Abel as righteous because of his faith. But notice also that part of this commendation was God accepting his gifts. God, in some way, publicly accepted, publicly praised Abel's offerings. When Abel sacrificed, God was pleased. He approved not just Abel's faith in some theoretical way, but in the very way of practice, the way of worship or sacrifice. God's commendation was not only because he possessed faith, but because of the good works that sprang from that faith. In some way, uh, and, and the scriptures don't tell us, but in some way, this approval was made known to Cain and Abel. Again, we don't know how, but we know that that did happen. Now, some have suggested that, that fire perhaps came down because in, in later accounts, when God was making a public a display of approval, as, as he did multiple times in the Old Testament, fire came down from heaven. Well, maybe that's what happened. Maybe on Abel's sacrifice, fire came from heaven and consumed the firstborn lamb. But the text doesn't tell us that. Perhaps he simply spoke it, either audibly or into the consciences of Abel and Cain. Again, it doesn't tell us. But we know it was done... And we know, therefore, that Abel knew and he could rest in God's praise. Cain knew he didn't have God's approval. We know that because he responded out of his evil heart with evil actions. He got angry. He did not receive God's commendation for his faith or his offering. Well, fourth and finally, we see here that Abel spoke and speaks. Abel spoke and speaks. Abel's speech, here again, it explicitly says, depends upon his faith. This was true when he was alive. He spoke for God as a prophet. Jesus, in Luke eleven fifty and 51, names Abel as a prophet. He received the word of God and spoke and lived out that word. And this work was done by faith. He was one of the many prophets who were murdered. He died, as the text simply says. Yet, through his faith, though he spoke in the past, he still speaks, present tense. Well, what could that mean? Several things, I think. First, The Genesis account has God saying to Cain, 
the voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me. Abel was speaking. Though dead, Abel was speaking. He was crying for justice. He was crying for vengeance. Abel is in heaven today, and he is one of those around the throne who was slain for the word of God and the witness that he had borne. Revelation 6, 9 and 10 describe not just an unnamed set of people, most of them are, but we know the names of some of them. One of them's Abel, and he is crying out with a loud voice this, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you avenge my blood on those who dwell on the earth? Abel still speaks. He still cries out for justice. That's the cry of the faithful, for justice. But another way I think we need to see Abel speaking, still speaking, is in the scriptures, is in this story. Remember in verse 2 that that commendation was largely, not exclusively, but largely made up of the story being recorded and placed into the Bible. Well, we have it. There are millions, presumably, of saints whose stories are not in the Bible. Abel's is, Abel still speaks. Abel still speaks. His story is inscripturated. He tells us what when he speaks? Well, he tells us that faith is the only way to God's approval. He tells us that faith leads to right and accepted worship. Abel says, faith will usher you to heaven where we await the Lord to set all things right. Abel spoke and Abel speaks. Well, two uses and we'll be done. First, to Christians. Christian, be reminded that since you have faith, you are accepted. Because God has granted you faith, he commends you. Amen. Not on your own account. Not because your faith is so strong or so great. It isn't. But because faith, when rightly placed in Jesus Christ, is saving faith. It's a faith that leads to God's approval. It leads to his eternal commendation. Faith means your poor worship is accepted. Oh, praise God for that. I mean, I'm sure I'm the only one with a wandering mind, with distractions, with weakness, with... Well, maybe not. No, your poor worship is accepted in Jesus Christ. It is a sweet savor to our Heavenly Father. Faith means that your person is accepted. You're a friend of God. No more than that, you're a child of God. And you will live with your heavenly father forever one day. Faith means your future is safe. It is righteous. And so it is glorious. Do you see the great value of faith? Have you forgotten it? Have you forgotten how incredibly valuable faith is? Well, I hope this is a reminder 
of the glories that come through this means of faith that are found in Jesus Christ, and you give praise and thanksgiving to God today. Second and finally, I want to ask all of you, but especially those of you who aren't Christians, I want to ask you, do you live life like Cain or like Abel? Do you live by faith or are your deeds evil? Those are the options. No in-betweens, no third choice, no 56 genders here. There's, there's two men. In one sense, only two men have ever lived in human history. You are either Cain or you are Abel. You are either a man of faith or a man of evil doing. Those are all the options the Bible presents. Do you see the blessedness that came to Abel even though he died? Do you see the great misery that came to Cain even though he lived? Which one are you living like? Notice I didn't say, which one do you profess to live like? There's, there's none of that talk in here. This is about actions. This is about what you do. This is about real life. Not about pretend. Not about what you wish. What do you do? Do you live like Abel or do you live like Cain? Do you bring what you like to God in worship? Or do you bring him what he takes pleasure in? Do you believe the word of God, or do you deny it? Do you live righteously, or do you live wickedly? Or to ask that in another way, do you have faith, saving faith or not? <laughs> Upon this question, your eternal destiny hangs. There is no more important question or issue for you than to answer this question. Are you commended by God by faith or not? If not, God has a remedy. It's found in Jesus Christ. And it's this simple command and offer. Repent and believe the gospel and be saved. Let's pray. Thank you.